everybody. Welcome to episode 90 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined by my usual co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, the Blue Jays just finished up a series win against the LA Angels, and that last game we saw this afternoon was absolutely crazy. Have you had a moment to catch your breath yet? Well, I mean, I'm pretty full from just all the turkey I've consumed, Jesse. But yes, I have had a moment to gather my thoughts more or less and kind of process this this series that, yes, I did predict we would take two out of three. Thank did, goodness. Yes. That was a that was a that was a road stretch. Those were all games on the road. I'm good with it. I'll take I'll take the totals there. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, quite the series. I mean, Mike Trout and his Angels really um, really competed well on the diamond against our Blue Jays because it was no easy. We might have taken the series win, but it was a tough series, man. It even needed extra innings in the final game to decide it, man. What else can you say? And who says baseball is boring after seeing what we saw out of this series this week? Today on the show, we're going to go over those three games that was against the Angels. We're going to talk about the offensive firepower that this team put together and what are we going to do with some of our starting pitchers and Riley spoiler I may be putting Jose Brios on my official shit list so stay tuned for more of that later in this episode plus we got some notes from some guys on the farm and after an off day the Blue Jays are going to return home and we will get our first look at the newly renovated Rogers Center and the Detroit Tigers come into town so we will preview that series as well but guys first remember our show is free and we're available on all platforms so if you're watching us on YouTube please like the video and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast land, five-star review is the only thing we're going to accept here. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as we give you Blue Jays content all season long. But without further ado, Riley, let's get into the game recaps here. Game one of this series, the Jays won this game four to three. Chris Bassett had a rough first inning, giving up a home run to Mike Trout, but then he settled in nicely, which is something we wanted to see. And the big hit in this game, Riley, Bo Bichette had a monster two out three run home run in the seventh to give the Blue Jays the lead. And the back end of the bullpen, dynamite in this one. Jimmy Garcia, Eric Swanson, and Jordan Romano shut down the door late. Game two that took place the next night, the Jays jumped out to a 4-0 lead with home runs from Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman. Jose Barrios showed sign of promise early, but ultimately struggled again. Four innings pitch, six hits, four earned runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. The top of the order was excellent in this game, but the five through nine spots in the order when it combined 0 for 19 with seven strikeouts. Thought that was interesting, but the Jays were able to uh, not quite make the comeback in that one. And in game three, the game that just happened here, the Blue Jays won this one at 12 to 11 in 10 innings. Riley, this game was bananas. Jays give up six runs in the first four innings and dug themselves in a hole early, but they were able to score six in the sixth, four more in the seventh, thanks to a grand slam by Matt Chapman and a Kevin Kiermaier two-run triple. The Jays were able to take a three-run lead into the ninth, but then Jordan Romano blew the save. The Jays were able to get two in the 10, and Trevor Richard sure made things interesting before Tim Mesa was able to get show. Otani to ground out to end the ball game. So after this series, Riley, the Blue Jays have a record of six and four. We are third place in the A at least three and a half games back behind the undefeated Tampa Bay Rays. So Riley, lots of talking points. What gets your point first here from this series against the Angels? Oh, super easy one for me, man. Uh, Matt Chapman. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep saying that name, and I want to say it all season long. Last year, first year as a Blue Jay, I didn't say his name enough because there just wasn't enough good to talk about. Right now, at this point in the season, three series in, um, all on the road, this is a team that he would have saw playing for the Athletics quite a bit. Um, saw the left-handed pitchers well, and boy, he mashed that grand slam Wow, just one of those great those great swings where you hit the, the you hit the sweet spot on the bat. There just happened to be three guys on base. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's having he's having a lot of great luck right now with the extra base hits. Um, he's super strong, dude. 
like his swing looks super healthy. I will say it didn't appear like there was anything wrong last year and everything like leading up, but he almost looks healthier than he did last year in just the way he is, has been swinging the bat. I don't know what it is. There could be a lot of luck involved because, yes, he still is victim of long flyouts sometimes. Mm-hmm. And always to boot, too, his defense is just so damn sweet to watch. Matt Chapman, one of the premier defenders at third base. I mean, I can't say enough good about this guy. Matt Chapman really put on a show against the Angels. Really hoping for, you know, he keeps this up because they are some dangerous numbers. Um, In fact, like, if he keeps this up, like, he will receive at least one MVP vote if oh, this more, comes along like this. And his defense numbers, like it's it's been it's been great so far, man. One of the hottest starts of the year for sure, Matt Chapman, and he was a big factor in why we took two out of three in this series. Riley, I didn't even know Matt Chapman had this type of hot streak in him. Like I know in his first year with the Blue Jays, he had a good probably three week stretch where he was hitting quite well and he was driving the ball with authority. But this this guy we've gotten ten games into the season so far, I did not know that was possible out of this guy. Riley, you talked about him, his grand slam too. He hit, he put that to right center field, like slightly opposite field, and he barreled it up and driven. Riley, you thought that Matt Chapman was getting a little lucky, and maybe today, some of his hits today did get little flares, little ground balls that got through. I want to make the argument that Matt Chapman is actually getting unlucky because he's driven some baseballs over 400 feet. I think he said three balls hit 400 feet or further that had been called for outs. No other player in baseball has more than one. Matt Chapman's done this three times, and he's already got two home runs. I think he leads the hit. Now, I could be wrong on this, but I think he leads the league, and I know he leads in doubles. I'm pretty sure he leads in batting average. I'm pretty sure he's either second or first in WOBA, like a whole bunch of offensive categories. Matt Chapman is the best in baseball at doing these things, and if he does this and he keeps this up, Riley, he might have like the Marcus Semien year that he had for us in 2021 where he just shows up. He just breaks a bunch of records, and then he goes, and that's kind of what I'm seeing from Matt Chapman, who's showing no signs of slowing down right now. Everything you just said, everything that just came out of your mouth made me absolutely giddy for this season in Matt Chapman, man. And it sucks. I was just talking to, well, basically my brother-in-law about Matt Chapman and that he's on a contract year. And we kind of looked at each other with this grimace on our face like, yeah, like he's playing great, but... You know, let's do something with them. This is this is great, man. I'm living in the right now, and right now it is the Matt Chapman show on the ball diamond, and I want it to continue heading home to the new Rogers Center and for Matt Chapman just to make that the house of Matt right now and just keep continuing on hitting baseballs hard, mm-hmm. playing great defense, and, I mean, sneakily – like, I know there was, he kind of got caught in a pickle between third and home on one of those plays. Basically, it was two outs in the inning. The guy would have got thrown out at second kind of thing, but, and he was just kind of forcing an error in some way or another. But his base running has been also very, very good this year. Like, he has really been a complete ball player, and it's so nice to see finally from Matt Chapman. In the game today, too, he was the front end of a double steal. So you can add stolen bases to Matt Chapman's resume now. Riley, another player who really impressed me this series, that was Bo Bichette, Riley. And I want to talk about his home run he hit in game one of this series that swung the Blue Jays' win. At the time, the Angels were up 3-1, uh, to one, I believe. And the Blue Jays had a 13% chance of winning that game. After Bo Bichette hit that home run, it jumped up to 67% with his clutch three-run home run. And the Jays have really struggled, Riley. I know we talked about this a lot last year when we were doing our podcast about hitting in the clutch 
late in games when we are down a run or two. Bo Bichette looks like he's like, nah, I don't want that storyline to continue. And he took it. And Riley, I was thinking a lot about Bo Bichette's swing and how he goes, you know, how he really hammers spin well and he kind of hits the fastball to the opposite field. When was the last time you saw someone throw Bo Bichette an off-speed pitch and he pulled it foul? Because I can't remember one right now. I mean, he has done, he's been a very select hitter. There was also like, I mean, sitting back on breaking balls, squaring up fastballs. I mean, he's really good at pitch recognition and selection. And I honestly, honestly couldn't tell you, man. He just gets, it's, I couldn't even tell you, Jesse. Like, I think that timing is just purely locked in from Bo Bichette right now. He feels like he's in a good spot. Whatever he did last September or October, it carried over to the spring, and we're getting it in April. And this is the guy we talked about during our spring training storylines, Riley. If this is who Bo Bichette is, and this is the guy we really think he could be, that's an MVP candidate. And that's to go along with not even Vladdy, who we haven't even mentioned yet, but him, Bo Bichette, and Matt Chapman are all leading the American League in hits. All three of them. They're all top five-ish top six in a hard hit balls like this top of this blue jays order right now is a dynamite is it's, it's insane like i don't know who would want to face this if you're any pitcher in the world you'd be uh you would not want to face the top of this blue jays lineup right now so any last thought on boba Shett before we move on to another player yeah i mean that's what's gonna happen jesse we've said it before like he's led the american league and hits twice in a row consecutively like i would not be surprised jesse if this is year three and i would not be surprised if it is a 200 hit season for Bo Bichette. Yeah. Honestly, would not surprise me in the least. The way things are going, the trajectory right now with how our top of the lineup has been, I mean, absolutely phenomenal. And like you said, we haven't even talked about, I mean, you could say, you know, Vladdy, Varsho, Springer, all those guys, they all contribute. I mean, just dynamite, dude. And yeah, Bo Bichette, been absolutely fantastic. I did say coming into the series that if the Blue Jays were going to win this series, they're going to have to do it with good offense. And they got that, Riley. And they got that out of a guy who was hitting in the nine hole for this team. You wanted to highlight his performance. Tell me about Kevin Kiermeyer here. I will certainly tell you about Kevin yeah. Kiermeyer. Anytime you collect five RBIs in one game in a three-game series, you're probably going to be talked about, especially when that series was decided by one run in extra innings in the final game. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer. I like to, you know, three hits, a homer away from the cycle, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. He had a he had a two RBI triple, he had a base hit, and a ground rule double into right field. And those balls he hit, man, those weren't a nine-hole hitters. Hit. No, they weren't. They, they were weren't. both hard hit all down the line. I mean, something that I mean, when I think Kevin Kiermeyer hit, I think kind of bloop single up the middle, you know, a very, very much could be an all-fields guy. Like those were hard hit balls, line drives that were roped into right field and pretty well both into the corner. I mean, Renfro doesn't play the position that well. Sure. I mean, but then again, the Angels ballpark is kind of, you know, might not allow a ton of triples. But when you're Kevin Kiermeyer and you have the lags he has, I mean, stretch that into a triple in a crucial part, crucial moment in that ball game. And then, of course, a clutch, a clutch RBI ground rule double as well. Like, he just had a... It's a great game. He didn't play every game in the series. I think he appeared in game one. And then, but game three, really what I'm after here. He, I mean, anytime you collect five RBIs, want to throw out, I didn't mention it, but Matt Chapman also had five RBIs. So 10 RBIs between the two guys mm -hmm. um, clearly did a lot in, in the game three of the series. And yeah, Kevin Kiermaier was definitely um, the, the front runner in the MVP of that game, Jesse.
And not only that too, I want to say he's made some smart base running decisions. Like his double he hit down or his triple, sorry, he hit down the line. I thought, oh, easy double off the bat. I did not expect Kiermaier to end up on third, but he is just that good and that smart. He was able to do it. And his play in center field, Riley, he had a catch where StatCast only graded as about a 30% catch probability. Kevin Kiermaier got there and was camped under it before it got there. So he is just special when it comes to his defense. And honestly... As long as I hated him when he was with Tampa, I'm so glad he's on our team now. And plus, he's even saying stuff. He's excited to get to Rogers Center to get this series going. He keeps saying the type of guy, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to put everything on the line for this team. All things you want to hear out of this guy who's taking a leadership role with the Toronto Blue Jays right now. And I love to see that. But Riley, we have to move on to the negatives now here. We're going to go to our thumbs down. And I'm going to talk about Jose Brios, Riley. His line... Four innings pitch, six hits, four earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. And Riley, the location was bad again. And his fastball was crushed again. It's the exact same issues all over again. And you know, Riley, I'm starting to think it's actually insanity that the Blue Jays are going out there and running Jose Barrios out there without trying new dramatic things and expecting different results. Like that is the definition of insanity. So Riley, I have come up with a Jose Barrios checklist, okay? I'm going to give him three more starts and I want to see at least two of these th- three things come th- true in order to keep Jose Brios in the, in the uh, starting rotation the rest of the season. If he doesn't do these things, I want him gone. Send him to the moon. Send him like far away from here. Just send him on a boat. Just get rid of Jose Brios, okay? So here's my list. I want Jose Brios to go full on like Patrick Corbin. Just starting, throw your slurve ball like 70% of the time, right? Lead with that pitch. It is statistically your best pitch. Even in this game against the Angels, Riley, he was locating it nicely, either below the zone or right on the edges of the zone. If you have a pitch that is still good, throw it all the time. I don't care that it's a curveball. You can use your fastball as a change of pace pitch. That's one thing on the list. I also want to see him get an average exit velocity under 90 miles per hour against his fastball or just ditch it all together. Remember uh, Corbin Burns in Milwaukee? He came up his first year. He threw a four-seam fastball. He was garbage. He switched it to a cutter. He became one of the best pitchers in baseball. Now, I'm not saying Jose Barrios is going to do that, but you have to try something from Jose Barrios. So I want to see if he can do that. To go along with his good two-seamer and his slurve ball, it should, in theory, work well. Try something. And if you're not going to do anything of that, you're going to keep the same repertoire. I want to see him to get at least 40% of his sinkers down and in to those left-handed hitters in that location, that seven spot in the zone. I want to see it get there. Riley, we'll check in with that on each of his next three starts to see how he does. But if he isn't able to do one of those three things or even two of those three things, I want him gone off this team. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I can't agree. Like, I, I can't agree more with you, Jesse. I mean, pitch, listen, pitch selection is, is one thing. Like, I'm you're going through all these, like, you know, like what works and what doesn't work. And it's just like, it's insanity. Like, I, I start, yes. I'm starting to think that, um, like there are flashes, like there are at bats in the ball, like in the ball game, in the start that he had against the angels in this series, there were at bats where he was a completely different pitcher two hitters later like mm-hmm. i don't know what it is man he 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 threw an excellent curve and a slurve whatever you want to call it to a guy got a righty really off balance on a swing and then like you know it then opens up the next batter with some good pitches the sinker down low he'll take it for a strike whatever takes it at the knees and then another curveball a good pitch mix and then it just seems like almost like when i'm playing you know my mlb on like when I'm trying to play really quick and I'll just throw stuff down the middle of the yeah, yeah, plate yeah. and not even just click, click, click. That's what it reminds me of, man. Cause those, those pitches, it's like something in his head isn't, isn't clicking. Like all of a sudden he doesn't worry about location. He doesn't worry about velocity. He just grooves a pitch 
and no one's missing it. The scouting report yeah. right now on Jose Barrios isn't anything other than like he has given up hard contact for uh, over 400 days right now or what like it's he it's you know been a long it's been a long time um since he's really you know been himself or is this the Jose Barrios I'm not sure I really want to get figured out it sucks when he goes out there and and, and really stinks the bed on on that man like I mean, an unacceptable, an unacceptable man. He like four earned runs, six hits. I mean, he did get five, give up five. He did strike out five, but it's just not enough, Jesse. It's just right now, it's not enough. He did, he has not. I mean, two starts, whatever, no quality starts, but he's. I mean, yeah, send him to the moon if he doesn't figure mm -hmm. it out, man. It's very heartbreaking. But I mean, yeah, make sure he doesn't go to the moon with all that money because we <laughs> no, do him. have to pay this guy. You have three more starts, Mr. Jose Brios. Time to put up or shut up. Let's go. Some other players that I kind of give a thumbs down one, Riley, and this one hurts my soul, but that was Yusei Kikuchi who started the third game of the series today. I was optimistic after his first start in Kansas City and after the spring training he had put together. But this one hurts me a little bit, Riley. It hurts my pride. Four and a third innings pitch, nine hits, six earned runs, only one walk to six strikeouts. But the three home runs allowed, Riley, was what really stings and eight hard hit balls against him. Uh, the strikeouts were still good. Still got 12 swinging mitches, but the hard contact is not what you wanted to see. I would still put Yusei Kikuchi ahead of Jose Brios in the worryometer, but I expected more and a little upset. Do you have a thought on Yusei Kikuchi's performance today? Yeah, much different than um, Brios. I did predict, Jesse, that he would probably have uh, an inconsistent start you did, um, yeah. against the Angels. I, I, f I felt like um, like just the, the guys they have in their lineup were going to hit him well, and, and apparently they did. I am still very impressed about the strikeout rate, but yeah, the hard hit, something you don't want to see. But like I said earlier in the episode, man, I felt like the Angels really brought it this series. And you say Kikuchi, yes, is our number five starter. Um, you could say all in all, Jesse, in his start, quality or not, earn runs or not, he did strike out six and four and a third, and we got the win in the end. And we did give up 11 runs collectively as a unit. We scored 12, so we did take the win in this one. If you look back at it, it really had nothing to do with Yusei Kikuchi early on. Mm -hmm. What we was a slugfest no matter what. He's our five guy. He got hit around by a team that has been waiting years to tear covers off the baseballs, and that's just what happened today, man. And you know what? I care about it a, little, a lot less than the Barrios one, but yeah, you don't like to see it out of Kikuchi. I still think that he is on track to have a much better 2023 campaign than he did the previous season. That's for sure, man. I think we can all agree to that, that he has really shown good things this year, and it really doesn't concern me as much. He'll have a blow-up every once in a while. Um, we just hope it isn't, you know, the, over the next three starts two times or over the next ten starts it happens four times. You know, we'll try and get those, those blow-up numbers down. Yeah, me too. And I'm looking at the pitch chart or the heat map, I guess, for Yusei Kikuchi. He was leaving his changeup uh, high and outside uh, arm side a lot. And a lot of his four-seam fastballs were up in the top part of the zone. So something that could be corrected. He didn't do that in a start against Kansas City. So I would look forward to watching that in his next start against Tampa Bay. And the only other guy, Riley, he only really played once this series, though. It's Brandon Belt. And we talked about him after the end of the Kansas City series. But he got into one game. He went 0 for 4 three strikeouts. His replacement, Jordan Luplo, who is going to come in to face lefties, over three, two strikeouts. So it's still incredibly early, and we talked about Brandon Belt a lot last episode, so I don't want to spend too much time on him. 
But his batting average is so low right now, Riley, it could probably pass a breathalyzer test. So one for 25 with 15 strikeouts. The last time a Blue Jays hitter had a run that bad, it was Jared Saltalamacchia, and he was cut like pretty much right after doing this. Now, I'm not saying the Blue Jays are going to cut Brandon Belt, at least not yet, but definitely a level of concern from this guy who I expected more of coming into the season. I think Kelly Gruber also had a run in the postseason of 92 where he was like, Dude, he was hitless for the longest time. I don't have, obviously, don't have the numbers in front of me. I just know Kelly Gruber was like on a ridiculous. We're talking in the 30s of at bats before he accumulated a hit. And I think he hit a home run in um, a big home run in either game two or three of that World Series against the Atlanta Braves. But um, yeah, I mean, it's Brandon Belt. He's definitely not going to run our team. We were certainly hoping for better things from him. Um, but I mean, what. <laughs> What's going to happen down the road is we'll end up just using him less and less and less. Yep. And I mean, we have guys right now in the pipeline, the fact that Biggio can play first base and depending on how Barger's going to do or Horowitz down um, in, in the minors, like, I mean, those moves can happen overnight just like that. Um, I had another kind of a thumbs down. down too, but the thing that drove me nuts, probably the worst thing in this, in this series is when Trout's up with the bases loaded and Trevor Richards spikes it on a full count. Scary, right 10 wasn't it? feet in front of home plate. I could have I could have thrown up. I could have <laughs> thrown up. That was just like you talk about things you don't do in baseball. And he was, I mean, his I listen, yeah, change up if that's your most effective pitch, fine. But holy man, I could have drew a walk on him. I'm like, I know that sounds ridiculous. I'm nowhere near his MLB level. But if I read the scouting report, I could I might foul enough pitches to stay in. I might strike out three times before, but I could draw a walk on that guy because he was all over the place. And yeah, Spike went 10 feet in front of Mike Trout's feet. And the rest is history. We won the ball game. <laughs> we won the ball game, uh, the 12 to 11, and Mesa jammed Shohei, and everything was fine. That's all I got on the pitching. The bull, the bullpen stressed me out a little bit, Jesse. That's just baseball, though. Trevor Richards is by far our lowest reliever on the totem pole, and I think if he keeps struggling, it'll be Nate Pearson. It'll be Yasser Zuleta. It'll be one of these guys coming up from Buffalo who uh, is going to take a spot and honestly probably run with it. Um, some more news and notes. Don't spend too much time in here. Danny Jansen had been dealing with a stomach bug, but he came back for the series finale. So we hope you're okay. Danny Jansen, George Springer had his first home run of the season. It was a kind of nice one left center field. And he looked like he got it right off the bat, Riley and two more performances. First one, Chris Bassett had a nice bounce back start here. Six innings pitch, two earned runs, two hits allowed five walks though, which is the bad thing with his five strikeouts. The walks are definitely too high, but he settled in after, and he threw over a hundred plus pitches too. According to StatCast, he threw seven pitches. The velocity was roughly the same as it was at his first start, but his spin was back a little bit, especially on his sinker. The soft contact guy that we were promised when he got here showed some signs of being that soft contact guy. He averaged 83.1 exit velocity off the bat. So uh, it was solid. I still want to see more from Chris Bassett. Did you have a takeaway here? I mean, this is this this is more of the starter that, you know, Oakland produced and what we saw with the Mets last year. I mean, his first start with us, I doubt we'll see another start, knock on wood, that we see another three or four home runs given up for Chris Bassett. His nature is to induce soft contact, upset hitters timing, you know, not necessarily strike a ton of guys out, but definitely not walk five batters. Yeah, I feel that, like that's that a lot that unchar- very uncharacteristic for Chris Bassett. Still a lot of good takeaways from it. Um, definitely not a flashy start, but... 
I mean, it's something that I think will improve this. We could see the exact kind of stat line from Chris Bassett and probably 15 more starts this year. And I don't know if those numbers will read five base on balls could be two or three. That's kind of the number I would like to see Jesse. And I think that's probably what we're going to get more as the season goes on. Cause I feel like he's grooving along at this point. I feel like we're going to see, um, you know, a better version of Chris Bassett here over the next four or five starts and, and, you know, maybe, you know, new team, maybe, you know, pitch it on the road with a new team, things like that. But I think it gets better, a lot better from here on for Chris Bassett. His next start will be at home at Rogers Center on Thursday against the Detroit Tigers. So we will be seeing that one. And Riley, I came on to this episode today. I had this big write-up on Jordan Romano. I was very excited to say how brilliant and how awesome, like he leads baseball and saves. And then he comes into the game today and he gives up a three-run lead, hit a batter, walked two, gave up some hits. So it wasn't that good. But Riley, the stuff I was going to say, Coming into this game today, he had a 1.32 FIP. The XFIP and XERA were even lower than that. Got an astonishing 46.7 whiff percentage on the slider. Just real quick, Riley, fill in the blank. Jordan Romano is a top blank reliever in Major League Baseball. Um, He is a top five American League um, <laughs> relief pitcher. As far as the whole league, like, I could I could go as far as to say he's probably he could be on his best he could be the fifth best closer in all of baseball. Sure, Edwin Diaz is out for the season right now. I'm going to put him in the top five. Now don't ask me who's ahead of him. There's a, probably a few. I could be missing someone. But when Jordan Romano was on, we know how effective he can be, and he just can you know he can just take it away. There's a, I have I did not even think anything was funny heading into the bottom half of that ninth inning. I would not have thought, Jesse, that it was even possible. I forgot that you could even blow saves. <laughs> I forgot that that was an option in baseball until that happened. I thought, oh, right. So this sort of stuff actually happens. But Romano had done so good up to that point that it just didn't seem possible, and it did. We Again, we still come out on top, but it's just it's just crummy for Jordan Romano because those will really inflate his numbers over the course of a year because he did – give up a ton i mean for one inning, inning of work really like that's a, that's a lot he did strike out he did strike out three guys though so he keeps it up with with the strikeout numbers but inflated the other stats a little bit yeah, day off tomorrow, and then he'll probably get some appearance in against Detroit when they come in here. Riley, some prospect notes. Nate Pearson had another great outing. One and one-third innings pitch, no hits, three strikeouts, the fastball touch 99 again. This guy is MLB ready. Get him up here. And Yasra Zuleta had his first start of the season for Buffalo, went three innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts, Riley. He'll likely be stretched out more as the season goes on or if the Blue Jays need him, which, spoiler, I think they might at some point here. And Ricky Tiedemann will get his first start later this week at New Hampshire. And Riley, nothing else to add there. With that being said, Blue Jays, are coming home, baby. We're getting on that flight. We're heading back to Toronto, and we'll get our first look at the new Rogers Center and the renovations. I think I'm going to find my way to Rogers Center at some point this series against the Tigers. Aside from the fan experience and the new concessions and stuff they have, Riley, what are you looking forward to seeing most about the changes made to the Dome? So first things first, anytime you start the year on the road in 10 games, the 11th game being your first game at home, it's just nice to get in, have a game at home. Um, I, I would say that about any home uh, going into any home game when you've been on the road. It just we started the season on the road and we just seemed to have, be at the timing where we got a pretty much a not a brand new ballpark. But in a way, it is. Yeah. I mean, anytime you change um, all dimensions to the field, essentially, um, I mean, it wasn't just like. Camden Yards, they moved the left field out. I mean, we've made changes to almost every dimension, left, center, right of the diamond. 
So I'm uh, I'm a baseball fiend. One of my favorite things about baseball is that it's played on very much different surfaces all across the league. So they're like baseball parks are like snowflakes in the MLB. No, no two are alike. It's a beautiful thing. I love the difference in that. I think the standing room is cool. You will never, ever, ever find me in that center field area gawking around not watching the ball game. But for people who want to go and casually spend – $90 on a ticket hang out. Good for you guys. Enjoy your crap. Enjoying the ball game. Probably out of my seat uh, cheering. If all goes right, I'm just really excited to be back at home. Mm -hmm. The Rogers Center is just such a I mean, maybe not ranked as high as, you know, the best diamonds of baseball. But for me, looking at the blue around the ballpark, the, 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 you know, the shape of the Rogers Center, looking out into the hotel and everything like that, it's just, it's a place that I'm familiar with. It's a place I know it's a comfort spot. I'm just glad they're home. I do really like the dimension shifts. I really want to see Bo Bichette take one over that new right center field wall for the mm -hmm. first home run in new Rogers center. I would like to see him just slice one that could be a double in most, if not all other ballparks and, you know, get, get the ball rolling from there. This is something we can really take advantage of. And, um, Maybe it comes back and bites our pitchers a little bit, but um, guys like Manoa and Gosman will be able to handle it, which is who will be dealing the first two games against the Tigers anyway. So I, I feel good about coming home. I'll be glad to see the boys play at the Rogers Center. Give me a serious prediction, Riley. How do we do about the Tigers? And if you have a pick to click. Are we, we're three, three game series, three game, four series, games? Yep. three game series, three game series. I think, I think same deal. I think that, um, I think that we take two out of three. If not, I don't want to call it a sweep. Um, I, I think just something funny is going to happen in there. Where, Always dies, you know, doesn't it? This, oh man, I, this is a series I'd love to call a sweep, but I just think I'm going to take the safe. I'm going to say we take two out of three, but I think that we're going to get very good starts from all pitchers. I think, Laws of averages in baseball. Maybe our bats go quiet in one of the games. I don't want it to happen, Jesse. I just have one of those feelings, right? We've been so hot to start the year off. Like, if we get four or five hit in this series for one of the games, I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be mad. Two out of three sounds great to me. I think I'm with you. I want to see... Ooh, let's go, some, let's go somewhere crazy. Let's go Santiago Espinal. No. A lot of righties on the lineup. Let's go Kevin Biggio. We'll get a big home run and a big uh, series here for the Toronto Blue Jays. Guys, that'll do it for episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to the channel on YouTube if you haven't already. Like the video. Follow us in podcast lands, TikTok, Spotify, Instagram, all that fun stuff. We've got a lot of big things coming for this channel going into the season. We, Riley and I are very excited about what's going on. And if you see either of us at the Dome this summer feast, feel free to reach out, say hello. We're passionate Blue Jays fans, just like all you guys are. We'll come chat with you. We'll have a beer. Maybe we can get a ride on the hot dog teeter-totter or something that they have at Rogers Center now and all that fun stuff. So please feel free to say hello to us. We're friendly people for the most part. Um, Riley, anything else to add before we call our an episode here today? We're going home to place Detroit and it's going to be a good series, man. I am uh, uh, don't and Detroit will be good in future years, but I watched the game at Boston pizza yesterday and their pitch Boston hit them around so hard it was eight, nothing in the third inning. Um, and <laughs> I'm excited to play them, man. I'm excited. This is a team we can really take advantage of. This isn't 2027 when 
Detroit's going to break 500. We have a real chance to jump on their pitchers. And I'm, I'm hoping for a good series, man. I would like to say sweep. I'm saying two out of three, but it's going to be a great series, man. I'm looking forward to it. These are the games we have to win, and I would bet that the Blue Jays do just that. Until next time, guys, we'll see you to recap the series later this week. Thanks, guys.